Hey, one more thing before you go. How would you feel if you could improve your lifestyle simply by decluttering, organizing, and creating a manageable system of keeping it that way? We're about to end 2022, and what a better way to start the new year than by getting rid of things that block our lives' progress in developing a system of lifestyle organization. We're going to learn how to do that with the help of a lifestyle and organizing coach. I'm your host, Michael Hurst, and welcome to one more thing before you go. My guest in this episode is Jessica Barkley. She's a lifestyle and organization coach based in the UK. She's a public speaker on decluttering and time management and mental health and environmental advocate as well as the founder of a Happy Lifestyle Club private membership. Her membership club is a community-based, uh, excuse me, a community-focused safe space where you can work on a number of areas, including decluttering, goal setting, self-care, to help you build a strong foundation lifestyle for the life that you want. The club is founded on the basis of happiness, which I love, and all of its shapes and sizes should be the priority. Jess lives in Berkshire in the UK with her daughter and other half Jess. Jess loves lifting heavy things in the gym as well as in the client's houses. She started her career as a wedding and event planner as well as starting her own guest house and before her daughter had her health and fitness studio in London. Welcome to the show. Hello. <laughs> it's really weird hearing your bio read out. <laughs> You're like, this person sounds really interesting. I'd love to meet them. We have loads in common. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I loved reading it because everything that you do is an amazing journey to where you're at right now and what you do for people. I mean, we all need decluttering in our life. I cannot tell you what my desk looks like. In fact, I would be embarrassed to pick my camera down and show you. <laughs> So I might learn something here <laughs> uh, in the middle of this conversation. So uh, thank you for being here. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And you're across the pond, as they say. And uh, so I think it's the afternoon for you, isn't it? Yeah, it's great timing. I got out doing the school run um, because <laughs> so I said to my, oh, I can't, I can't do the school run. We'll have to go, which is brilliant because yeah, it's grey and miserable outside. Um, I mean. I wouldn't be British if I didn't bring the weather up within the first five minutes of the conversation. But yeah, it's it's getting dark already. So my other half's gone to pick the little one up, which is, yeah, it's nice to get out of it. I like staying good, in the house. Good, I don't good, like going good, out. Good excuse. Good excuse. Yeah, I'm sorry, honey. I have to do an interview. <laughs> uh, so yes, you have to do this now. There you go. I really appreciate what you bring to the world. I want to start off learning more about your journey and how you got there. Where'd you go up? Oh, way, way back many centuries ago, not long after the Bible began. Um, <laughs> it was, <laughs> um, oh, I love so that. I love musicals. You can tell. Um, so I grew up in, I was originally born on the outskirts of London. Um, and when I was quite young, we moved down to the New Forest, which is in Hampshire. So if you're looking at the map of the UK, right at the bottom in the middle, there's a little tiny island. And I lived directly above that on the mainland. So that's the Isle of Wight and I lived directly above that. Um, grew up there um, until my late teens. And then I actually went and lived in Romania. Um, was meant to be for nine months. So of course everyone thought I was going because I was pregnant. <laughs> 
Because you left for nine months. Everyone's like, I should have. But in the end, I actually only stayed six months. I was only 17 and I went on my own. Um, <laughs> I'm a little bit crazy like that. And uh, I did miss miss home a bit too much and things. So I, I came back a bit earlier and I then slowly made my way down to Cornwall. So I lived in Devon for a bit and then eventually ended up in Cornwall. I came back to the New Forest, went back to Cornwall, left Cornwall um, when I got divorced in, oh, where was that, 2014? No, it must have been before then. Yeah, about 2014, um, moved up to London uh requalified and and all that jazz um uh doing a started sort of a different career as it were and i then last summer not the summer just been the summer before um moved out to newbury in berkshire um with my partner this is the area he's from and i said i would never leave london I was very cemented there. I hadn't enjoyed growing up in the countryside. I hadn't enjoyed my time living in Cornwall. And I was like, I want to be in London. I want to stay here. I'm never leaving. And then COVID happened and everything changes, doesn't it? You reassess everything. And one day I was writing out my life goal affirmations, which is a system I teach. Um, and part of that is I write them out every morning. And I looked at them and thought, none of these say I live in London. And in fact, some of these are actively hindered by me continuing to live in London. And I wish we'd move sooner, but you can just you can only go when you're ready to go, can't you? I, I um, think we all, I think we all have that aspect. Sometimes we wish we would have done something sooner. Yeah, even if it had just been, um, we decided to come at the beginning of COVID because my partner's mum's out here, his brother, um, his sister's now out here with her partner. This is much closer to family. We've left one of his members of family in London, but they were central London and we were the outskirts. Mm. So in COVID, we weren't even allowed to travel to see each other. Um, whereas here, we would have been able to see each other a lot more and been able to support one of the brothers looks after the mum full time. So we would have been able to support them more and things. But we are here now um, and we are loving it so much that I now want to go and find a bit of wasteland and live in the woods. Um, I'm so over city life. Um, I now uh, fully want a tree. <laughs> I, I actually can relate to that. I, I'm from Colorado. I'm living in Arizona now. So I'm from Colorado and I grew up in the mountains. I grew up uh, at 8,500 feet up behind Pikes Peak. Our front yard was literally the backside of Pikes Peak. I, I think sometimes we see having lots of choice as freedom, but then actually we are making chains out of our choices, out of having too many choices. We don't end up picking um, if we get overwhelmed by Netflix and what else have we got? What, well, whatever streaming Hulu, services we've got. Yeah, Hulu, Netflix, Hulu, uh, Amazon. Yeah, all of those things. If we get over, if we think I just can't make a choice, we get a DVD out. We are we are old school. We still have some DVDs. <laughs> um, I have about 3,000 of them smashed. Um, and I've, we, we've limited them down as well. So they fit. We've got one drawer that's my daughter's under the TV, one drawer that's my daughter's one, one drawer that's ours, uh, sort of the more, I say adult ones, but that makes people think of something else, but more over, over 12. Age appropriate. And yes. Um, and 
there's loads in there that we will quite happily rewatch. I love rewatching things. If I'm particularly tired or stressed, I automatically go to something I've watched a million times. I like to know what's going to happen. Um, <laughs> it's so much calmer. Um, and I know that's, um, I'm autistic and I have ADHD. So that's a very neurodiverse thing as well. Uh, so if we do ever watch anything new, I'm straight on my phone, onto Wikipedia. What's the storyline? What's the thing? And then my partner's sitting there trying to guess who's done it. And I'm sitting there going, I don't know. I don't know. I need to confess. I do the same exact thing. My wife looked at me and she goes, you know already, don't you? <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah, that's the, the pitfalls of having the phone next to us and that little computer in our hand sometimes. Um, but I enjoy it so much more when I know, when I know who what's going to happen. I enjoy that, it we, so much. We have that in common. Yes, we do. So, yeah, I'm going to tell my wife I'm not the only one. I am not no, the only no. one. Yes, yeah, there's a whole there's a whole load of us out there that we all do it. Um, and it's, it's a reassuring way of watching a TV program. <laughs> We, we, it it is i think it's a it's a it is it's a desire to understand the plot line and where the story is going right yeah that, that's, well i'm i'm very into staging and production lighting how they've done the music with something um, and even when i used to go to the theater i haven't been for years but um, when i used to go to the theater, theatre that would be the bit I loved um of everything in Hamilton I think a common one that loads of people loved I've only seen it on tv I saw it on Disney and Covid and I've watched it many times now um but I love I'll sit there and I'll watch how they transition the costume changes and how they transition the set and I find that really interesting and if I've also got to work out the storyline I can't enjoy that bit um yeah. it's like the the new Top Gun Oh, how they use the music in the new Top Gun is, I just thought was so good. So they really respected the soundtrack from the first one, which I yes. love, um, and integrated the story. And that for me is what I like, I, I really get into. So I kind of need to know what the storyline is so that I could enjoy my favorite bits. <laughs> We're going to have to have another conversation about all of that. Um, yeah. <laughs> seriously, uh, it, it is. I, it's, it's hard to find. I have a master's degree in interdisciplinary studies with a focus on performance and digital media. Filmmaking was is my second love from other than being a police officer. That was my second love. And when I when I left the police department, I went into um, went back to university and um, studied filmmaking and uh, created an international film festival. And uh, I did it twice, and then I did five screenwriting conferences international, um, collected international people uh, in Las Vegas for five years. Uh, I love every aspect of that. I created a movie theater, and um, not a movie theater, a theater, and uh, uh, produced plays. Um, there's just so much more. Everything that Judah's talking about, we would have a fantastic, wonderful conversation with that. I believe in, I believe. Everything that you just said about the, the like Top Gun, the latest one, and the integration of the music mixed with how the story is presented and carried along, it wasn't overwhelming. It was it was perfect the way it was integrated. It was very clever. It, it wasn't yeah because sometimes you come in and the music just blast and it is is annoying instead of integrating instead of enjoyable. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we're going to have to have another conversation if you don't mind. 
Um, it was beautiful. I, I think it's partly how my neurodiverse brain sees things. I mean, that's why I'm good at organizing and staging spaces because I see past what a lot of people would see. Um, and I see all the little bits, I call it friction. Right. So I'll see the friction in how we do something and I want to make everything flow. I want to make things smooth. Um, and I'd be like, well, this is for me, this is obvious why this space never gets tidy or it's obvious why this space looks wrong. Um, whereas the other person says, I never would have thought of that. Um, and I think I, I do that the same when I used to be in, in drama and things in school. And everyone always thinks when you're female, and I don't know if the guys find this as much, but I very much found that if you showed any interest in drama as a female, you automatically presumed that they want you wanted to be some big actress on the stage. And I'm like, no, I want to be designing the set and like the lighting concepts. <laughs> um, and I didn't, I didn't use my voice um, soon enough to be able to have a chance to learn enough about that at school that I could then turn it into a career and move it off into anything else which is a shame but i definitely see how what i loved about that now shows up in my work um and how i do things and i find it really fascinating i don't think you can just go and do a course and be a coach in in right. any field i don't think that's realistic i think they're very good supporting elements and i've done courses um i've even done some courses twice with two different companies just to continue the knowledge and 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 sort of revamp my thinking around things but i i think depending on which industries you're in certain types of personality certain types of brain work better with them and they see things differently um i'm quite a creative person and mm -hmm. i think growing up i was very much seen and i had a, a rough childhood <laughs> I am an adult of a traumatic childhood, um, but I was very creative. And when I was growing up, creative was painting or sculpting or right. that kind of thing. And actually creative manifests in so many different ways. Um, and I'm a very creative person, but that can be creating furniture or creating a feeling in a room or creating a new way to plan goals and things like that and it's creative now we know so we're so much better at knowing that that means so yeah. many other things and so when someone shows an aptitude in a certain area we have a bit more understanding now of the possibilities that that opens um, which I think is so wonderful and something I'll be helping my daughter with, but it's it's really helped me find my feet in how I want to be as a coach. I love helping. Um, I did a lot of stuff and was naturally drawn to like charity work and things as a child um, and through into my adult life because I always wanted to be helping. But you also need to make some money and pay for things. Like I did try and win the lottery so I could just, work for free for charities and i know you can get paid jobs for charities but they never sort of seem to fit my skill set um and it was just uh eventually you do all these different bits of jobs that support the coach you're going to become right. um and you have to kind of think outside the box with the skill set so people can't say oh i'd love to do what you do what course can i go on and i was like well here's the courses i've done but they were just supporting elements. I mean, I understand decluttering a loved one's possessions because my mum died. It's not that 
I went on a course. I mean, I have some of the courses I've done have talked about deceased people and how you process that system. But my biggest learnings for that was taking going through the process myself and going through the process with my sister and helping her understand with my mum's stuff how that it was just stuff and what was important to us and things. And um, it came also from life experience. Um, it's when you get people, uh, I see it a lot with time management gurus talking about how to like ace your time management as a parent when they're not a parent. And I just don't think any course can teach you enough to be able to understand the, the mental load of being a parent and how that affects your time management. Um, there's a lovely lady on YouTube who does some gorgeous stuff um, and she's recently had a little one. And for years, I've watched people in the comments going, just you wait, this is lovely, but just you wait to have a child, it'll all be different. Um, and it's that understanding that I, I will specialize in certain areas because I've got a lot more experience in them because I've been through those kind of things. I attract a lot of neurodiverse clients mm. because I'm neurodiverse and therefore I get it a bit better. Um, we're never going to be exactly the same as someone else. We're never going to have experienced the exact same things that they have. Um, but I find you bring, if you've lived, you bring a bit more of perspective. Um, I'm only 35, so I'm saying if you've lived, but I'm only 35. Um, am I 30? Yeah, I'm still 35. Yes. <laughs> that, that's a, a good thing you had to think about um, that. Yeah, I, well, sometimes I feel about 90, um, but I've always been told I'm an old soul. Um, I've the cat of nine lives. I've had a number of different careers that have all culminated in what I do now. And um, I've been through a number of a number of interesting journeys. Um, and they often say tra traumatic childhood breeds old souls. <laughs> I, I can relate to that as well. I grew up with a very dysfunctional family. Both my parents were alcoholic. So... Mm -hmm. I think it's your your life experience brings something to coaching that is more personal and more appropriate to helping people through their own ordeals. Um, would if I can backtrack just just a moment? Um, I know you you've been very diverse with some of your other jobs. Uh, would you want to be when you grow up? Did you go to university for for something in particular? How did you come come about? Come about. Oof. <laughs> um, so I, I got uh, diagnosed with genetic cataracts when I was five. Um, wow. I had an operation when I was five, operation when I was seven, and then I wasn't catching up. So I was already quite far behind at school, wasn't catching up. And my the surgical optician that did my eyes said, get a check for dyslexia. And um, got assessed, yep, high level dyslexia. And after that, everything got blamed on my dyslexia. So I didn't get diagnosed as autistic and ADHD until later life. Um, my final official autism diagnosis, I have to wait another couple of years to get. Um, but like in, in the UK, a lot of um, adults, while we're waiting for assessment, we just embrace the diagnosis. There's no way I can't have it. Everyone, everyone said it. The specialists that I've spoken to have all said it. There's no way you're not. But the final tick off assessment is yeah another three years away unfortunately and um, so everything everything just got labeled with uh, dyslexia but i got grants and scholarships to move from the state system because at the time um i mean it's not great now in the uk but it was even worse then they were offering me half an hour every other week 
to try and help me catch up. And I was like two years into the school system and I was already a year behind. It's just that wow. half an hour every two weeks wasn't going to cut it. And um, so my mum and my dad found me some grants and scholarships. They managed to get me into the private system, uh, which is where the accent comes from. Everyone always thinks I'm really posh and I'm like, I'm not. I just sound like I am from downtown <laughs> Abbey. Um, and uh, that was wonderful. It was a very small community. Um, I still had issues. I was physically bullied. I was emotionally bullied. But compared to being in a bigger school, it could have been a lot, lot worse. Um, and they tried to put me back into the state system uh, for secondary school, which went very, very wrong. And I ended up stopping going to classes. I couldn't cope with the the, the big classes and the overwhelming. And again, I was being bullied. But now I had children much older than me also bullying me um and yeah it was just not in a nice environment so again my parents fought and got me back into grants and scholarships got me back into private school same one my sister was at as well she was well still is very intelligent so she'd got scholarships in um, and assisted places in for being smart and um, i got in because my mom was a very good blacker um, I've, <laughs> I, I still to this day have no idea how she quite managed to get me into that school. It was very academic and I'm not um, naturally academic. I've got a very high IQ, but I'm, I'm not a book smart. I'm a common sense smart um, person and learning historical facts is not within my forte, which was the kind of school it was. Um, but I got good GCSEs, which is sort of the end of end of secondary school examinations and then went into the next level which is the two years before university which is college or sick form depending on which route you go so if it's attached to a school in the uk it's sick form and if it's a separate thing it's college roughly that's sort of the, the rough explanation of it um and i've been actually quite ill through my gcse's but just managed to do enough of the exams uh, collapsed in a couple of exams and things like that and um, so that was fun um, and then I was really ill and hospitalised while I was doing my first year of my A-levels. A lot of my, I think you do four, was it four, four A-levels um, in the first year and then you might drop one and have half a qualification in one and just do three in the second year. Um, and most of mine were very coursework based and I missed quite a lot being in hospital and I just wasn't going to catch up. My school wouldn't let me restart the year. And so I kind of went, screw you, I'm going to Romania. <laughs> and I went and did the University of Life instead. Um, and it, it's, a part of me would have loved to have done university. One day I would still like to get a degree and you can do certain applications if you are considered a specialist in your arena and you've done lots of smaller qualifications and you can you can get into university courses slightly different ways. I don't know the full ins and outs, but I might look at doing something like that one day when my daughter's a lot older. Um, I don't know, there's something in me still that would just like to say I've got a degree and have the little flat hat and get to move my little thing over the top uh, like they do in graduations, um, which we only in the UK, we only do it at degree level and um, we don't do it at the other levels. And uh, so I might I might still go the degree route, but I went in and tried a few different jobs and worked for a holiday park, did like the, the holiday park entertainer and kids club entertainer and worked at a kids outdoor activity center. And, and then a venue that my mum was working at was looking for a wedding planner. 
Um, and I had just finished one seasonal job, didn't like where I was living, um, was in the middle of nowhere, didn't drive, not very practical. My partner drove and so I was kind of stuck with whatever he wanted to do, I'd have to do. Um, my mum said, this position's come up. Um, I can get you an interview because that was that's the tricky thing, isn't it? When your CV doesn't read very well, um, they don't get to see what you're capable of. Um, so it was very nice. My mum uh, got me an interview and she's like, it's completely up to you then. They've made it very clear that they'll only take you if you wow them. Um, but conveniently I did. Um, and uh, they, they needed someone that was gonna be very strong on the admin side. The previous lady had been great, but the paperwork was appalling. <laughs> um, and I am one of those geeks that really loves paperwork. Like, I, it's funny because I'm dyslexic, but I love making sure it's all organized and that all the tick boxes are done and that the contracts are done. And um, there are so many moving parts when you're running an event that everyone needs to know. Um, and I'm such a perfectionist that, um, which is not a positive trait, I'd like to add, but I'm, I'm a recovering perfectionist now, but at the time recovering I was such a perfectionist. perfectionist. Recovering I want to borrow um, that if you don't mind. <laughs> Yeah, you can borrow that. It's, um, it, but at the time, I was such a perfectionist that I would plan these events to the point where if I got hit by a bus, someone could pick up my paperwork and run the event, which wow. is exactly what they needed because Kitchen would have a copy of the paperwork and they would need to know what was going on without having to ask me every five mm. minutes. Um, the front of house staff, the, the hotel staff, the bedroom staff, everyone needed to be able to do this. So um, it did work really well for me. It connected to a lot of things that I loved, but I need to be challenged. As soon as something is too easy, I just won't do it. <laughs> um, and I've tried, but it's a very ADHD thing, I now know. I didn't at the time, I just thought I was difficult. Um, and I, I booked every weekend and the only way to progress there would be to have two weddings a day. And I just, I wasn't comfortable with that. I don't think two weddings in one venue is okay. And particularly the size of venue that I was working at. And so I did move to a different venue, did that for a while. 2008 happened, everyone got made redundant. I converted my house into a bed and breakfast, ran my own guest houses. So that's where a lot of my, I started to get more of a feel for staging of rooms. Cause that was one of the things I would have, if I'd gone to university, I would have gone to do interior right. design. And I got to design bathrooms and layouts in very small spaces. So that's where I got very used to making small spaces work. Um, sold the three bedroom B and B, did really well there. Sold it, bought an eleven bed B and B. Um, did all of that, like converted all, upcycled all the furniture, like designed all the rooms. Had all these really quirky concepts. Everyone loved that place. It's still, um, I mean, I designed that in where were we? Twenty, yeah, nearly ten years ago, and it's wow. still exactly as I designed it. Someone really? else now runs it. I sold like my ex-husband bought me out of it and he runs it, but it's all still my design. And he's like, I still just get loads of people love it and come back and back based on your designs. Um, so I think if I ever did a degree, I'd probably do interior design. Interior design. Um, well, you're, I'm, I'm sure that the, it, it, when I say this, it's a, a compliment in regard to this because my, both my kids have ADHD. Uh, they've been recently diagnosed with that. Um, the, I think that the, your, your degree became in life. Is like like what you said, everything that you are working towards. I believe that your ADHD and your autism may because your high functioning autism. I'm assuming 
is high functioning because we're having this conversation and I've had a conversation with other people with autism on a different level. Yeah. So my, um, my autism's internal. Um, I think as particularly as women, we, so there's, there's a lot of, they're trying to get rid of the high functioning, low functioning. Cause what they found is that, um, a lot of people that appear high functioning internally are still dealing with the same stresses same that someone that would appear low functioning would. It's quite new. And I think a lot of it has come out with the understanding of the fact that women present very differently to their mm. male counterparts. Um, and as women, um, particularly, um, if you are, if you are brought up in a more traditional sense, we are taught a lot of skills. <laughs> to yep. present in a certain way and to etiquette and decorum and all this kind of thing and how as women we're meant to socialize that we are taught how to mask without realizing it and yeah. if you are not autistic doing those things to be a certain way in society doesn't hurt you so much whereas if you're autistic it's physically it's so much more physically exhausting to be doing those societal norms um so yeah you do i'm i will often well no i do appear what would be termed as high functioning um but if this is better because we are digital and i'm in my safe space and right. my home but had if i i do speak on big stages um if i go and do that i have to block off like four days after where i can hide under the blanket on my sofa um to let my body recover it's like i've run a marathon right. um, i would much rather run a marathon than have to people um, so if i do with people i have to recover as if i've done the marathon. marathon de Saab or something yeah <laughs> oh that's that, that's an, an inter that's interesting actually i do you think that it helps you in in regard to especially with decluttering and organizing and um you know look i i i have to admit that i'm a little adhd or a little um what do you call it uh I'm obsessed with uh, certain things have to be a certain way. My yeah. my kitchen has to be, this is out of, if you put this away in this cupboard, it doesn't go in that cupboard. It goes in this cupboard on this side. Um, I, I'm a lot like that. I, I do feel that um, if I, I'm, 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 I'm him on because I'm admitting something out into the public world at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> It's one of those things where uh, it irritates, my wife irritates Why? What's the big deal? It's like, well, because it doesn't belong over here, it belongs over here. And well, I just put it there because it fit there too. Yeah, but it looks better over here. It fits more here. And this way, the kitchen works this way, kind of a thing. I do that on a very consistent basis. Yeah. Do you think that, that um, in your new line of work, your, well, I want to say new line of work, your line of work, do you think that it helps you to be able to help people to, to kind of uh, get a better understanding of organizing their and decluttering because it, it, it gives you an opportunity to help them through that? Yeah, it, it helps. I, I spot the logical way of doing things quite easily. So if you if you say you've been living in absolute chaos with stuff everywhere, it's very hard to do the the simplest decluttering concept is a place for everything and everything in its place. But if you are so used to living in chaos, you're like, I, I don't know where to start with finding this thing at mm -hmm. home. 
Um, and I'm very logical with, if, particularly if I've spent a little bit of time with them and get a feeling for where things go. So I, I go through the steps. We categorize first. So what is it that you need in your life or within us? So if we're, if we're doing a whole house project, we will categorize the whole house. Like what category is going to go in which room? Or if we're in a room, we'll start with what category should be in this room? Or if we're going to start with a wardrobe, what category is going to be in the wardrobe? It always, for me, it always starts with categories first. And people think, well, shouldn't you reduce your stuff first? And I was like, but you don't you don't know what you need or what you want if you don't categorize first. So for me, that that encompasses all the planning of thinking about what you actually need. Like if you've got loads of ski equipment taking up half your wardrobe, you've never been skiing in your life and you have an allergy to snow, you're gonna get you, need, you can get rid of <laughs> Yeah, you can get rid of that category. We don't need that. So we categorize first, then we minimize. So reducing the things, which is a two part, um, it's turning off the tap and clearing up the flood. Because a lot of people clear up the flood, they reduce their stuff down, but they don't look at reducing the amount of stuff coming in. So they, it builds up again very quickly. Um, but then you get to the organize step. So by this point, I have seen how people are within their space, how they function within their space, what they do and don't like. And, and then I can see where logically things should go for them. Because um, what is logical for one person and how one person uses their space isn't necessarily going to be logical for how another person uses their space. Um, and it was quite interesting. One of the, the big steps my partner had to learn with me is if I say I think something should be done like this, it's not a fleeting thought. I have thought about it from every which way <laughs> and every angle before I've said it. Um, I love love a bit of overanalyzing and overthinking, and I've got I I won't put an opinion forward until it's very much fully formed within my head. Um, because of my ADHD, my brain goes a mile a minute, which means I can often think about things from every which angle very quickly and come up with the logical explanation. Um, and it's it's very tricky because particularly as a woman, you get labelled as thinking that you're a know-it-all. But it's it's not that I'm a know-it-all, it's that I'm a, a research-it-all first. <laughs> so if I don't know about something, I will go and fill my brain with all the information and come up with my logical version of it. Um, it does have its downside in the fact that then if someone, and obviously if a client wants to do it differently, I can say, this is my suggestion let's try it the way you want to do it and then and then we can see how we get on and let's circle back to it in three weeks and we set an alarm or we set a timer or they journal sort of every every day they'll write a journal every week they'll write a journal about how it's going and see if it's still working for them but in away from professional life <laughs> if someone really puts their foot down and wants to do it another way that's not logical that hurts my soul <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm laughing because I can relate to that. Trust me. I Yes. It's like, okay, well, you can do it that way, but it's going to bother me and continue to bother me because it mm. should be done that way. <laughs> yeah. And um, I bless, bless my partner. He's got, um, I mean, he was the eternal bachelor. I never sort of long-term partner or, or long-term lived with anyone until I appeared on the scene. And then baptism of fire that he got an autistic ADHD <laughs> for the first like long-term person uh, to live with. Um, and it for a while, and I do sympathize, but I couldn't do anything about it, was he felt like I was, I came in and just took over 
but now he understands that for me something not being where I feel it should be within my space within our space within our home it's like a physical pain to me at least when a client wants to do it differently I get to leave their space and let them deal with it they've got my recommendation and usually they'll be like yeah you were right let's stick with what you just go back to what you said um well, they're so embarrassed that they never hear from them again. No, I'm joking. Um, but it's within my my own environment. And a lot of people say out of sight, out of mind. For me, it's not. It's not. <laughs> so <laughs> I will know the junk drawer is a mess or I will know the garage is a mess even if I don't go in there for two weeks. And it will be like bouncing around in the back of my head. So I have to go and sort it out. <laughs> oh, we have so much in common. Yes, yes, we do. I, 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 I feel so good. I'm not alone. I appreciate that. Um, <clears throat> what are some things people can do uh, if they want to start? For example, this is the end of the year. Is this a good time? I know everybody talks about spring cleaning, for example, and uh, they wait till spring and they do this. Um, but like here in Arizona, right now, it's the weather is better to do it now than it is in spring. Um, or during the summer, for example, where it's 120 degrees outside, you can't go out in the garage to clean out the garage, for example. Uh, is at the end of the year a good time to do this or a good time to start maybe at the beginning of the new year? It's never a bad time. <laughs> it's never, never a bad, a bad time. And we have so many different areas in our lives that we can declutter and have a benefit. Uh, so a lot of the time at Christmas, family comes together we quite often watch a lot of cookery programs um, as a family at christmas and often we'll watch repeats of the same thing there's a couple of dvds that always seem to come out at christmas and um, and for me i can't just sit and watch them so i will declutter my phone i'll declutter my facebook i'll declutter my instagram i'll declutter the photos on my phone i'll declutter my google drive like i can sit and still enjoy the family experience because if i didn't fiddle on my phone which i know for a lot of people seems antisocial but if i didn't do that i'd have to leave the room and then i'd be on my own which is even more antisocial um but there's always something that can benefit so coming into christmas great time to declutter your Christmas decorations, great time to declutter anything that uh, gifts maybe from last year that you've never used. Um, I am not afraid to re-gift things that other people have given me. So it's a good time to go through anything that's unopened and think, can I actually wrap this up and give it to someone else? This is a brilliant time of year for that kind of thing as well. Um, we always do a toy declutter and things with my little one. Um, we did that a couple of weeks ago. She knows if she doesn't declutter before Christmas, Father Christmas will think she has no space and therefore she won't get anything. Um, so we always do a big clear out, which is great because then there's more toys to donate to charity shops and toy appeals and that kind of thing, which helps other people that maybe can't afford to get presents and what have you. Um, and I think I've done all my Christmas presents for about £45 because I secondhand, charity shop, all that kind of stuff, upcycle, recycle, make, the teachers all get homemade presents, that kind of stuff. I love doing that. Um, but then you've got, yeah, seasonal is thinking you don't want to be decluttering the shed when it's pouring down with rain or it's freezing cold or it's too hot, like thinking about those kind of things. Um, I quite often, if I'm going to rearrange the loft, I would do the loft around this time of year because our loft gets very hot in the summer. And at the moment, it's it feels cold to get up there 
but you're going to forget when you de- uh, don't forget when you're decluttering you're going to be moving around a lot you will get warm quite quickly so this is quite a good time and despite the fact that none of my guests for Christmas have ever gone into my loft <laughs> I always seem to find myself tidying my loft just before guests arrive at Christmas I don't know why it just happens that way I think it's obviously because I've been up there and taken the decorations down and things it, but and um, it's, in, it's in your mind yeah it's yeah. it's it's there it's it's much more visible i mean my loft's pretty organized anyway but there's always something else i want to label all, exactly we could, we clean. i think we all we all can be what we think is organized and mm. but but there are those of us that will go okay this looks great but and start thinking about something mm. else that needs to be now that i got this taken care of like we cleaned out the garage for example when my father-in-law was here and um, we reorganized it. We put up some shelving units and we got things all squared away. So when we got that completely done, he goes, oh, now we can sit down and relax. And I went, yeah, but that looks so good. Now we have this to do. Yeah. <laughs> and then also you go back over things too. Um, so you'll find that you will exercise that decluttering muscle. And so when you've gone through, say, say your garage was the first thing that you did, it's quite a big project to do first. I wouldn't necessarily recommend that, but say that was the first one that you did and then you moved on to other areas and you got better and better. And you also got more aligned with who you are. And this is why I end up working with people a lot on things like core values. I've got the life goal affirmation system that I set up and that helps people understand who they are and how they want Mm -hmm. to be showing up in the world. Like uh, what do you want to be in your obituary when you die? Like it's who who do you actually want to be? Because there's no point in just letting go of a load of stuff and keeping a load of stuff. If you have no idea what stuff you need in your life to be who you want to be um, and and live in a way that you want to live. Um, so I do a lot of work with people on that as well. And as you, the more you declutter, the more fine tuned that is gonna get as well. So you'll go end up going back to the beginning and being like, yeah, this just, this just isn't me. I've kept all these things because this would be a great project, but actually I don't like this kind of project. Maybe you've kept all this scrap metal because you're like, oh, I'm gonna do scrap metal sculpting. I'm very creative. But actually, like, no, I only like working with wood. I'm only going to keep my wood scraps now. I'm going to get rid of the metal scraps. That's just not my jam anymore. And and also, we change and evolve as people, mm. and our priorities change. And and like I said, there's always that stuff coming in. I I am I very firmly have the tap turned off in our house, metaphorically speaking. And we actively say no presents for our daughter for pre- for birthdays and things like that because stuff just seems to appear, even though we say no presents. Stuff still appears throughout the year um but even being very specific with what we will buy what we will bring into the home very much limiting what other people will be allowed to bring into the home there's still stuff to do clutter i've constantly got a charity bag in the carriage with more things in it but that's a positive thing too in a way because like you said you're i know that you're very echo ethos you put a strong echo ethos um, I, I agree with that. I think that uh, recycling and uh, uh, giving to charity for those individuals that you have a lot of opportunity for the things that are sitting in your house that you haven't used for six months, that somebody else who might be looking for just that item yeah. that they can go pick up at a thrift store that they can afford. So, you know, it, it's, you're not only decluttering 
and correct me if I'm wrong, but you're not just decluttering your own home. You're providing opportunity for other people who are missing something in their own. Yeah. Because if you keep if you keep too many things, say you've got a picture of a drawer, if you've got too many things in that drawer, the items that are in there are likely to get damaged or beaten up or bent out of shape or whatever. Um, and then suddenly it becomes landfill or trash. Whereas it, if you just had in that drawer the things that you needed and you remove the things you didn't before they get beaten up, they can have a second life with someone else and they can keep, and then they can pass it on to someone else and we can keep going in a much more sort of circular way. Um, I mean, not to get into the eco side right. too much because we'll be here all day. I've got a lot to say on that. That's a whole well. other conversation. <laughs> But yeah, but there's, I mean, there's so, there's a lot of um, eco reports, um, not eco reports, uh, economist-esque reports that go into how a, a mend and make do economy would be much more stable um, than our current um, <laughs> throw it away economy, constant, let it break and throw it away. Um, and I think, yeah, reducing, reducing the stuff down reduces our choices, makes life a lot calmer reduces down the space that we need, means that we are putting things back out into the world that can be used by other people. And um, but it, yeah, it literally for me is reducing the chance of stuff getting broken within my home because there's not so much stuff there. Um if I've got it in a heap on the clothes getting damaged in heaps on the floor and all that kind of thing. Um even even people are like, oh but all my clothes are hung up in my wardrobe. But if you ram them in You've got to iron them again. They're going to get damaged. Buttons are going to get ripped off. Things are going to snag. Like it's, um, there's an, I mean, the 80 20 rule in lots of things in life. But um, again, with a cupboard or a shelf or whatever, 20% of it should be space. Space is a noun. It's a physical, space is a physical thing that should be between stuff. Because if you picture sort of like your, your clothes on hangers and they're all squished together, how much harder it is to get everything out. So you're damaging the items that are on there. Mm -hmm. It's taking you extra time to get things in and out. You can't see what's there. Um, it's suddenly a stressful experience just to get your shirt out in the morning. If you've got space between the hangers, suddenly everything's so much calmer. <laughs> it's just yeah, so I, much that, happier. Yeah, it's brilliant. I like that. It, it's, um, I think that the... I think that, in, and again, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that doing that and decluttering that and organizing that helps us, give us, uh, gives us a better mental, um, mm. I, I won't say break, but I think our mental well-being is better because you're not constantly yeah. thinking about it. You're not constantly going, I got to do this. Or if you go to search for something, let's say I want to go find my favorite shirt, and I have to go through that whole pile of stuff that's in the in the closet and frustrated trying to find my favorite shirt when if you leave 20%, then it would be much easier to find the, the shirt, which yeah. I'm not angry. I'm not frustrated. Uh, I'm not in a hurry. I'm able to go in and it creates a better mental environment, I think. I, I've just switched to a three month wardrobe and obviously this will depend on the seasons of where you live. Um, here in the UK, we basically have raining season all the way through. <laughs> no, we sort of, sort of have this sort of like a couple of months of summer and then winter, the rest of it's like soggy winter. But um, So I usually use the clocks changing in the UK for the times when I change my wardrobe. Um, and I've actually just switched over to doing it in three month blocks. 
And it's not because that's when the seasons change, but it means that I've got less hung up in my wardrobe, but I haven't necessarily got rid of the stuff. Right. So I have, I have a, a, compared to many, I have quite a minimal amount of clothing. Um, but then when the end of this three month block is um, the end of December, beginning of January, I will get my boxes out. I think I've got a box and a half in the loft that encompasses between what's in my wardrobe, my chest of drawers, those box and a half, that's all my clothes. And um, I will get those out and I will shop for my own stuff. Um, and I will put together another small block of clothing, swap out a few bits and and I said, I've been doing the six month one for years, um, but I'm already loving the three month rotation. I have, I have worn so many more outfits since I switched to three months, even though I've got a lot less clothes out. Right. Um, I'm actually putting outfits together. I'm not really a, I'm pretty much always in something navy. I'm not like navy and navy. That's my look. Um, but I've actually worn a coloured top with my navy skirt. <laughs> um, and I've, I've not quite often. I will wear something, put it in the wash, wear one other outfit, and I'll be straight back to back to the outfit I liked. But yeah, it's like tried other things and put other things together. And because there's less choice, I'm not so overwhelmed that I right. just go, "Oh, I'm going to get the two things that I'm used to." Um, now I've got like half of what I had there. Um, yeah, so I'm loving it. So if you get overwhelmed with your clothing, try the three month one. Because um, yeah, at the moment, I, I absolutely love three months as a block of clothes. <laughs> That's a really good idea. It's a brilliant idea, actually. What do you think? Um, what do you think the the first step for somebody if somebody let me try that again, my brain is moving faster than my mouth. What do you think? would be the first thing that somebody should do if they want to start decluttering their house or organizing it. Easy wins. It's got, it got to be something easy to start with. My favorite one is the uh, spices, uh, it's spices and seasoning, like your paprika and your turmeric and all those kind of things. There's usually something out of date because we presume they never go out of date. And then we check the labels and there's something from like 12 years ago. In there. Um, and You've then just food house. in general. <laughs> food, food in general is a good one because we tend to not have sentimental attachment. Um, I know a lot of uh, declutter sort of experts and things will say, oh, clothes is a good one to do early on. But I find clothes really sentimental. And um, I remember a lot about certain events in my life based on, on sort of what I was wearing. And I'm not someone that's really into fashion as i said but i still i find clothes uh, bizarrely sentimental so for me they get done if i if i was to do a list of least sentimental to most sentimental clothes would be just above my memory box um apart from literally my memory box they are the most sentimental thing that i would have to deal with and um, so it's working out what's the least sentimental to you what's going to be the easiest something that's quick that's not going to require a lot of thought. And that includes thought about where is it going to go? Because you can't do anything with gone off food, but put it in the compost heap. Um, it's that's, that's like your only, that's like your only option. <laughs> um, medication, you can't do anything, but um, check the laws in your country. But for the UK, you are meant to give it back to the pharmacy. Um, worth checking whatever country you live in even if it's legal you should not be putting it down the toilet please don't put it down the toilet it ends up in the water system and then it mucks up everyone's medication <laughs> that they're on Big time. So do not put medication down the loo um whatever you do don't put it in the loo or the sink or anything like that um 
but in the UK, you can take them back to the pharmacy and, and then they're responsible for, for making sure that they are disposed of correctly. Um, whereas you start working down the list for things like furniture and clothes, you have also got that overwhelm of where is it going to go? And as much as I am super eco-friendly and I want things to stay in circulation, I also think it's better to get it out of your house and gone than it is to keep hold of it for another six months waiting for, to find the right place for it to go. Um, and that's why I mean, it can be quite beneficial to work with a coach, among other reasons, is that they will know where the recycling centre is that's close to you. They will know <laughs> where the good charity shops are. Um, if it fits in my car, um, I will take it for clients. Um, I don't I have an estate so I can get a fair amount in. I do want to get a big van eventually so I can take furniture as well. But um, I know the charity shops that have furniture chucks that will come and pick up. Um, so even if you're not going to work with a coach, if you're stuck, find a local coach and say, can you recommend a good a good charity shop for me to take this to? Do, like, I can't imagine they're going to not help you. Um, even if you're not going to take on their full services. Um, but that can be quite quite an easy way to find good drop-offs and things. Um, I'm still surprised people in my local area don't know about the furniture project down the road because it's my favourite shop in Newbury. It's so good. <laughs> they always have the most beautiful things in there. Um, and lovely big unloading door. I just roll the car back up to it. I was like, here, got another load of stuff for you and what have you. Um, but those kind of decisions can stall the decluttering process for people that are early on. So do some of those things where it is very, very simple to get rid of the items. And um, so if you know a clothing charity shop, then do your clothes because you know where those can go. And um, if you know your bookshop, take secondhand books, then you can do those. But things, yeah, food, medication, they are just going to have to be waste, whichever way you obviously waste them correctly. Um, but it takes out the decisions of working out where the thing's going to go. And um, as you move further down the list, I do find it is easier to declutter things when you know where they're going to go. So once you've, if you're like, right, I need to get into my clothes, do a bit of research before you pick up that first item and think, where do I want to keep this? It's so much easier if you're pile if you're putting it into a pile for the charity shop than if you're just putting it into a pile that's going somewhere else. It's very hard to connect letting go of that item if it hasn't got a new home. We do get attached to inanimate objects. Yes, we um, do. So my like my 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 daughter understands that she's letting go of a toy. It's because someone else is going to enjoy that. Whereas if she was looking at that and thinking that this was just going to become rubbish, how much harder would it be to let go of it? Um, and I think it doesn't matter whether it's a cuddly teddy bear or it's a notebook. There's still going to be a little bit of that going on in our brains, whether we realise it or not. So, yeah, have a, have a plan for where things are going to go before you even pick up the first item and decide whether it's staying or going. I think that's a brilliant way, I think, because, you know, we have times before, like when my daughters moved from uh, from here to, uh, to out of town uh, to a different state, you know, they had a really hard time picking what they wanted to take with them. And they go, well, I, this happened here and this happened there and this was here. And um, so, yeah, I think that's a really, that's brilliant advice. Um, I know we didn't get a chance to talk about your, you have a book. 
you have a book and you have a podcast. Can we touch on those briefly? Yes, I'm so ADHD, aren't I? I've got all these things. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. I mean, I, look, you're providing an opportunity for people to improve their lives in a way because look how good it feels when you do organize something, when you do get rid of something, and when you do give something to somebody or to an organization yeah. that you know is going to go to somebody that really needs it. I grew up very poor. We grew up, we grew up living in thrift shops. So I respect mm -hmm. a thrift shop for people who can't necessarily afford something and they have the opportunity to have that. So yeah, it, it, it's a wonderful thing to, to declutter and to mm -hmm. organize and to remove things so that you can bring in something new. And it's, Sometimes what you're bringing in new into your life is is peace and calm. It's not even yeah. we make we make space to breathe. We don't make we don't need to make space to bring new physical things. We can bring make space to bring in new metaphorical things. There's a whole concept called the empty shelf concept. Um, and you will find people will use it in manifestation practices, fertility journeys. I've heard of it being quite common there. People would declutter because it shows whatever you believe in. So for me, I'm Christian, so it's God. Um, but whatever you believe in the universe or whatever, you're showing that you have space for right. whatever it is you're trying to bring in. So if you're trying to bring in financial success, you're showing you're having this empty shelf shows that you have space in your life to bring in financial abundance and, and all that kind of thing. Um, but like I, I talked about earlier with the core values and the life goal affirmations and a lot of it, I find people can't decide what who they are and what makes them happy. And that's what <laughs> sort of bore the podcast, which is what the heck is a happy lifestyle. Um, and the, we're in season three at the moment um, and people come on and there are three questions and it's sort of about what makes them happy, what is what is happiness to them? What is a happy lifestyle to them? And the idea behind it, that it shows all the different variations of what happiness can be. And as long as you're not, as long as happiness isn't mass murder, then I'm like, it's fine. Like we can all just, we can all find happiness in lots of different ways, as long as it's legal. Um, then why not? Like it doesn't, for me, finding a piece of furniture in the charity shop that has wheels on it, so much happiness finding a dress with pockets all the happiness um whereas someone else traveling abroad like exploring new places that would be happiness to them whereas for me that's hell on earth <laughs> i don't want to go anywhere that literally my house um and uh, i love having those conversations with people i do i do them as instagram lives and then i put them out as a podcast um on spotify and apple Podcasts. so yeah hunt that one down what what the heck is a happy lifestyle um and then the book i'm still i'm still a little bit stunned that i've done this <laughs> like i did a thing i made a book um so i have had on my goals list like sort of long-term goals list for quite a while that i wanted to write a book and then at the beginning of this year it went on to this year's goals so it Got, got given a date. This was going to be the year I was going to write the book. And then the beginning of the year was really tough. Um, I was really struggling with my agoraphobia and um, it was, yeah, it was just a lot. So I decided to show myself grace. I talk about that a lot. Fluffy blanket of grace went around my shoulders and I went, what could I do that would actually still be part of my journey to bringing out a book, but is less pressure than a book? Um, and for me, that was to bring out a planner. And then me being me, I've done both. <laughs> so I've bought out, like I've got an actual copy in my hand, so those of you watching the video. Um, 
I bought out, it's called a happy lifestyle planner, but it's got all the coaching. So it's got the actual explanations for how to do things in it, as well as the 12 months worth of, of worksheets and things to do the planning. Um, so it's, it's a hybrid book and planner in one. Um, cause yeah, I don't do things by <laughs> If you're going to um, do it, you might as well do it completely. Right. Exactly. Um, and I, I just, I'm so I'm like, I cannot tell you how much pride I have over this thing. The fact that I got it out there and got it into the world, even two weeks before launch date, there was a massive stumbling block that I won't go into now because it could be a whole episode in itself. But I still I got it. I got it out. Um, and I'm very, I'm very, very proud of it. And I've got two five star reviews on Amazon already. So I'm very happy. I don't care if no one else likes it. Well, that's great. And that's brilliant. Where, if somebody's looking for this, I know you have a website that uh, for your for coaching business itself, um, and your podcast and the book, uh, um, the information on the book can be found on your website as well. Correct? Yep, and it's on Amazon. So if you search my name, Jessica Barkley, or a Happy Lifestyle Planner, um, and then scroll past the paid sponsored adverts and go to the real list of things, but um, I usually want in the spot one or spot two. If you search a Happy Lifestyle Planner, even though I'm the only book called that, there are people that do clever things with their keywords, don't they, and get above you. Um, be yeah, out on Amazon, so it should be internationally available. And um, there might. I feel like there's one country where because it's color and they don't print um and if you're thinking i so i've done it through kdp which is self so it's self-published through amazon they print an order and if you're thinking that was one of the things that i think stopped me for a long time was putting that amount of money up front to print something right. and they cover they, they kind of cover all of that as well they take the pressure off with that so um it was I, I cried when it went live on Amazon. I was just like, it's a real thing. Um, so well, I, I did. I found it on Amazon, me. actually. I did. So congratulations. Well done on that. I did find <laughs> it on Amazon. And uh, I, although it said in UK, it said we ship internationally. It asked me to put my, um, you know, accept the cookies and to you know, make sure I had my uh, United States address in there, and it says it ships it internationally. Is it available on Kindle as well, or is it just hard, uh, just soft cover? So at the moment, it's just soft cover. I do want to do a hardback, but hardback print to order is quite new. Um, so I wanted to get because I had this issue pop up two day, two weeks before it was due to launch. Um, I was going to do hardback and softback at the same time. I will be doing hardback at some point next year. Um, the Kindle version, because there's a lot of worksheets in it, mm. um, the Kindle version I'm going to do in January, but it will have links to printables in. So I'm, I've now got to learn how to embed links. Um, but I have kind of set the goal of, of the end of January to have a Kindle version with all the coaching bits in it and then links to to free printables to the download so if stuff. you purchase the Kindle version. Yeah. Yeah, that's what but I'm doing. I think, with... yeah. Yeah, it works better I'm... as a printed version because you've got all the bits then to do all the exercises. They're all together. Um, but my first, the first thing I decided when I put pen pen to metaphorical paper to do this was I didn't want to have any dates in it right. because one of the things I'd found with planners and I, I, whether you're ADHD or not, I think this is very common is you'd miss a page 
and then it stares at you like you've missed a page you can't keep going you can't just like leave a blank page and then carry on on the next date that you come back to you get that blank page guilt and i'm like i don't i don't want that i want people to be able to literally just carry on so if you have a month off if you're traveling or you're just tired or you forget about it mm-hmm. you can just come back to it and so you can make your book last for four years if you wanted to <laughs> Theoretically, we we want them to do it as soon as it can change their life effectively. So yes, but that that's brilliant to do it that way. I think uh, because, like you said, I never thought about it until you brought it up. Sometimes, if you miss a day, you kind of go, "Well, I was supposed to do that two weeks ago." That's what the page Mm -hmm. says, and uh, yeah, it might stop me from doing it again. But yeah, great idea. I found that with a lot of clients, a lot of reasons they had half-used planners was because they were like, once I've missed a couple of days um, or a week, it, it was very it hard to get. Yeah, they felt they felt guilt that they'd failed themselves by being a real human being in a real human being world that doesn't go to plan. Um, but they would beat themselves up so much that they just shove the the half-used, quarter-used planner in the back of a cupboard. Um, and I talk about it in the book. It doesn't. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. I should pick it up and carry on. I've, I have done that. I used to buy these, and I can't remember what the name of them were. But it was a planner, and and the dates were completely set out all the way through, and you're supposed to go through it just like that. And uh, I can tell you that when we were cleaning out the garage, I actually found that planner that I stopped writing in because life got in the way, and it was about half done. And I couldn't even reuse it because the dates in it were all from like 2005. So it, it negated, I couldn't use it any longer. Unless I crossed all the dates out on every page. So yeah, that's a really good idea. Very good idea. Um, I will make sure that there are the links to your website and uh, how to get in touch with you and uh, what you can do for others because you do offer a coaching service. Uh, now, can I ask you this? Your coaching service is not limited to the UK, correct? Uh, yes, international. Um, I think the first person to get a copy of my book was in Germany, um, closely followed by America before my copies had even arrived. Um, wow. So yeah, all over the place. Um, I mainly coach online. I do one-to-one online um, and then I have a membership um, and I do a little bit in person. And if even if you're in the UK and just not close to Berkshire I do travel up to about an hour and I will travel out because quite often it's sort of five six hour chunks it's worth traveling um but the one-to-one I can do via zoom or whatever your preferred platform is um and then I have so the other way I coach apart from one-to-one is I've got the membership um which is a different people learn differently some people find coaching one-on-one a bit too intense they want to be able to sit back and process so and also from a a financial point of view because let's be honest we all have to factor in cost Um, and one-to-one coaching is a lot more expensive than doing membership so I really wanted to have the membership community um so that it was available for more people that it was more accessible for people and it's got courses in there i tend to add about two new courses a year it's got printables it's got guided audios uh it's got 
uh, additional workshops that I do throughout the year. So we've just finished our yearly goal setting. We had our last session last night and that was a five-parter. September, we do an eight-workshop eight series as well. We've got a Trello workshop coming up in January. And then every month we also get together to plan our goals um, and those sessions. I do my goal setting at the same time. Um, so it's very much a showing that I practice what I preach and we do it all together and we have that accountability together. Um, and it's really nice. There's a lovely little community and then we have a book club and stuff. Um, it works out, it's 12 pounds a month in the UK. So I think it works out about $15 a month in America and you can cancel at any time. So if you've got a really busy month coming up, you can pause your membership and come back to it a month later. Um, and I caved this year. I've never done a Black Friday offer, but I caved and did a Black Friday offer, but mine's like a black friday month <laughs> um so normally i i only do the month i only do a monthly option normally and i've decided black friday is going to be my one time a year where i do a yearly offer um but it saves you i think in in you in pounds a year would be 144 pounds but there's 44 pounds off so it's quite a big saving um to pay for the year um but it's quite nice i've done it it the idea came because people were asking me about gifting a membership to someone um, but they didn't want to have a, a, like a monthly direct debit coming out. Um, so I set it up so people could, I do a, a digital voucher as well. So wherever you are in the world, you can do the yearly membership right. for someone and get a voucher that I'll send as well. Um, and then if you're in the UK, I even do a, I can do a printed voucher and send a copy of the book. But um, got such a short window before I think we have to post by the 4th of December for Christmas, guaranteed Christmas this year because there's so many postal strikes planned. Here too, same thing here. It's just ridiculous. They become really convoluted to try to get something mailed to somebody. Uh, what is your mm. website, please? Oh, uh, my website is www.thelifestylecoachuk.com. Um, and that connects onto everything. You can find all my Instagram. Um, I've just joined Twitter. <laughs> not quite sure what to do with it yet, but I've just joined. I, I think we're all, we're all not sure what to do with Twitter yet, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, it's some really entertaining posts, so maybe it would just be my place to go for a giggle. Um, but it's, yeah, I've, I've, I've joined, just joined Twitter, but uh, Instagram, of the social medias, Instagram is probably more my happy place i'm quite enjoying making some reels now it's just a bit of instagram is i think instagram there's a lot of people i know that uh, went from twitter i've been on twitter for quite some time and had a big following there but with the new ownership and the changes that are coming about um there are a lot of people who are uh kind of leaving twitter and that's a whole different conversation but uh yeah, my I do most of my stuff actually now on Instagram as well. I think it's a brilliant opportunity to entertain people and they don't even know they're learning. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of nice. You get to slip something in there. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, Jessica, this has been fantastic. This is one more thing before you go. So before we leave, is there, do you have any words of wisdom for anybody wanting to embark on this journey? I will part with my favorite quote, which is actually quoting myself, shamelessly quoting myself. Um, and that is that the only person that needs to love you is you. That's a brilliant quote. I think you should keep quoting yourself. 
Uh, thank you very much for spending your time sharing your journey, uh, your wisdom, and your experience. Uh, I think that uh, hopefully today we've inspired some people to uh, declutter and to reorganize, to start their new year off, and then continue that throughout the year. Uh, I believe we might have motivated people to do that because it's easier than you think. As you said, you just got to make a list and start. And uh, I hope that we've educated people. So thank you very much for being part of the show. Thank you for having me. I hope until next time, I hope we have another conversation shortly down the road. I look forward to it. Thanks for listening to this episode of One More Thing Before You Go. Check out our website at beforeyougopodcast.com. You can find us as well as subscribe to the program and rate us on your favorite podcast listening platform.